As, as I watch it, as I get older, it's I, th- I love it more and more. It's just so much heart in it, and I know yeah. I love this film. I think it's great, um, and I, I do think it holds up. The, the look on his face as, as he realises this is what I've brought into the world and this is, mm. I can't change it. There's nothing I can do. And this is kind of getting to Izzy's point about it being a fever. It's, it's the roller coaster thing at the end, isn't it? I did get distracted. I did get bored by it. Um, I'm not going to lie, it was boring. And also at no point, the granny shrinks, but no point does um, Rick Moranis shrink anybody, <laughs> which is confusing <laughs> for me because that's what he's meant to do. Hello everyone, welcome to Flix Watcher. Today we are reviewing Parenthood with our guest Simon. Hello. Izzy. Hello. And as always, Kobe. <laughs> thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have Simon and Izzy. If you'd like to say hello to our listeners, please, and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. I'm Izzy. Hello. Um, I am a historical children's author. I am a podcaster. I do several podcasts. I do the British Museum member cast. I do Making History on Radio 4. I do the Terrible Lizards podcast, all about dinosaurs. And I do the Z-List Dead List. But I also do another podcast with a man called Simon Dunn. Hello, I'm Simon. We do a podcast called Seti Soppo, which is where we work out the opposite of things that don't have a natural opposite. Like what? what is the opposite of a glass of water? The opposite of a glass of water is a cat litter tray. Oh, yeah, that's true. Nice. It is. You should write that do down. Ever, do people ever confront your, your oh, determinations? Oh, all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. In intimate detail, they will tell us why we're wrong. Yes. And, and, you know, they're, they're often right. We, we we do just make it up as we go along. But once the gavel's banged... Yeah. Simon has away. a shop on Etsy because he makes some like bowls and wooden instruments and he has made himself a judge's gavel because he wanted to seem important, which is probably why we started the podcast. And so he bangs his gavel. Once his gavel is banged, there's the gavel... There it is. Um, he that is the end of the show. I mean, that is the decision made. Occasionally, he drops the gavel halfway through the uh, discussion and whatever we've just said is the opposite. And there's a few on that on our wiki. But if you go to setisopo.com, which is opposites backwards, setisopo.com, you can read our wiki and find out what the opposite of things is, or even go on Facebook and ask us um, do a suggestion, and we may do the opposite of that. Uh, you also said you're a, you're an author, a historical yes. kids author, Letty yes. Pegg. Tell yes. us about that. Izzy. The Unstoppable Letty Pegg is a, a it's a basically it's a book all about a little girl whose mum's a suffragette and her dad's a policeman, and she is trained um, in the book by Edith Garrod, who's a real life woman who's only you know four foot nine. She's trained in the cunning art of jujitsu because the suffragettes trained in jujitsu at this time in 1911 Did London. Did they actually do that? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, they were I they thought, 
They were I thought that was related terrorists. to your. I thought that was related to your uh, your one of your sidelines. No, it is. I do do jujitsu. I do. I do do jujitsu. I do. It's true. Um, I am a dark blue in jujitsu, uh, which is one below brown belt. So I, I throw men over my shoulder and pretend to break their arms, whereas the suffragettes threw men over their shoulder and actually broke their arms. So, you know, they're a bit cooler than me. They also whacked policemen around the head with clubs. Not well, something your I would collided, recommend. didn't they, where you were doing an episode yeah. of Making History uh, about jiu-jitsu and suffragettes, and then it just in my, turned In my a... dojo, and then yeah. it got retweeted on Twitter, and one an editor at Bloomsbury just said, oh, would you like to write a book about this? Or that would make a great book. And I went, yes, yes, it would. Let me <laughs> write it. And the foolish lady led me. So, um, but it's been going really well despite lockdown. Are you sure you want me to do this? Because I'm, I'm starting writing. Are you sure me on? Should I continue yeah, exactly. writing these words? That's fine. You know, I'm, I'm trained and I'm trained in writing. It's fine. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's um, it's been going really well. And I've had, I've, it's one of the nicest thing about, about lockdown is people sending me photos of, ch- that sounds so wrong. People have been sending me photos of children. Uh, but reading my book and enjoying it um, and in lockdown, because it is educational, because these are mm. real events that did happen. I mean, Winston Churchill is in my book as a baddie. Um but it's it's one of these sort of weird times, and it's yeah, and it's really fun as well. You really appreciate it when you're watching films. You start to sort of see more about the plot and how things are structured. And when you're writing a book, it's a similar process. As remember, Simon knows, because he's an author too. I remember rewatching um, Mary Poppins like a few years ago, and had been the first time in like a decade since I've seen it. It's like, oh, she's these are suffragettes. Mm. I really didn't, have, you know, yeah. when you when you're like five or six or you know, sub ten, you just have no idea that. Votes for women was just was actually a real thing, and yeah. like it was, it was proper scary. I mean, they were yeah. they were much more violent. Suffragists were the peaceful, friendly ones with the signs. The suffragettes did have the signs too, but they also had the explosives. They also cut wires. They burnt down buildings, railway stations. They, um, yeah, they they were you know they were smashed up you know um, pieces of art. They were banned from the National Gallery. All women, not just suffragettes, but all women were banned from the British Museum. In order to enter the British Museum (laughs) as a woman, you had to have a letter from a respectable man or have your husband with you. Okay, now. Yeah. Simon, tell us about your most recent book. Oh, now that's a question. Um, Normal Verse, yes, it's a trilogy. It's it's, it's a a sci-fi comedy book um, in three parts which they often are. I don't know why. It just seems to be the way. He he doesn't do self-promotion. So... We are talking, we, this is your choice this week, isn't it, uh, Simon? This is Parenthood. Yes. Uh, can you tell us why you chose it and give us a synopsis in less than a minute? Well, I chose it because I was looking through the list on Just Watch, which is a great site, and you should go and see it, of course. Um, and Parenthood just sort of leapt out at me, and I thought, why haven't I watched that since I first watched it? And then I realised Ron Howard directed it, and I thought, well, why haven't I watched that? since I first watched it. And then I found out that it was written by two of my favourite writers, uh, Lowell Gantz and Babalu Mandel, who wrote some of the best films of that period, like Spies Like a Splash, City Slickers, League of Their Own, Mr Saturday Night. And I thought, oh, okay. why haven't I watched this Should film? They do League of Their Own? Of thought, yeah, yeah. Did Penny Marshall just direct it? She, I, I thought yeah, she yeah. wrote it for some reason. Yeah, okay. yeah. And um, so I thought, why haven't I watched this dozens of times? And it was an excuse to watch it, so I watched it. And it's about three generations of family dealing with parenthood um it doesn't really have a plot but we'll get to that in that um it is literally about the experience of parenthood it's based on a story by 
Ron Howard and the two writers, um, it's based on their own experiences as parents, really. The framing device is that Gil is having a crisis because he thinks he's going to mess his kids up the way his dad messed him up as a child. Um, but it, it's more of a, a look at the whole family through the generations, really. Your intro begs the question, when when did you watch it first? I must have... I, it was one of those I would have been walking around the the video shop picking out videos. So Being we, what, Kevin Smith. 90, 1990, something like that. Um, I don't really remember seeing it since then. Um, I've seen a lot so of Steve what, Martin. What did that make you like? Were you double digits at that point? Uh, oh, God, i got to do maths now. How old was I in 1990? Uh, no, you weren't. 89, you were I was 12, 12, 13. So, yeah, older than I probably would have thought I'd have been when I saw it. Yeah, so it's a good question. Yeah, I, I, it, it's one of those films that kind of just fell off my radar. And I watch a lot of films. Um, I try and watch a film every day, but um, yeah, he literally he tweets about it every day. Yeah, and he Facebook's tells us about Facebook it. and everything's like. I know again, it's quite scary the amount of on and on. <laughs> well, um, it's true. Uh, I mean, th- th- there's that thing that um, it's Adam Bloom who said it, Simon. I think about how in order to be a good writer, you need to ingest and trying to write something without experiencing a lot of arts and other you know stuff going on is like trying to have a poo without eating. Is that how he, is that how he phrased it? Was it? Yeah, yeah. He's like it's <laughs> Adam Bloom. That is definitely yeah. It's Adam, Adam Bloom. Bloom. <laughs> and and he he literally you know, and Simon's work is literally poo. So there. That's <laughs> it is also. I mean that is true, but it is also because I'm lazy and have no friends. Well, also we, we technically you can get away with not having any friends anymore, Simon, because it's lockdown. Mm. Well, it's better to have no friends, or at least not contact them face to face. Helen, what were your thoughts in Parenthood? When was the first time you saw it? So I think I was probably the same. So it came out in 1989. So um, I assume I would have seen, I would. I didn't see it at the cinema. So add about I think this was a 15 years. as well when it came out. So you probably... Yeah, I wouldn't have been. But I probably watched it probably like once every two weeks from about 1991 until about 1994 or something. I've seen this film a lot of times. Wow. Um, and... Uh, I've seen it seen it quite recently because it's only just come on to Netflix, and I think probably the reason you've probably not seen it recently, Simon, is because I think they just stopped showing it like on TV. And to my knowledge, in the years that I've been watching Netflix, this is the first time it's been on there. So that's probably the reason for the gap. But yeah, I've seen this film a lot of times. What made you watch like, it so much? A lot. I just think it's hilarious. I think it's really funny and. I like the story and I just think it's really interesting. Did you record it off the TV and wear the tape out? Possibly. It could possibly have been um, one of them. But we, we got Sky TV in 91, so it was probably on there quite a bit. And so I would have watched it on there. But I think basically when I first watched it, I so there's like different stages of humour. So when I was watching it back in the 90s, um, as about a 10 year old obviously found the diarrhea song hilarious and also found the slipping around on his guts when he's doing the balloon animals hilarious cowboy gill cowboy gill and then uh, a few years later on obviously finding the vibrator scene hilarious um and then i think as you kind of get a little bit older i don't have children myself but having you know friends with children i can kind of appreciate some of the 
um, kind of other things going on in there. But it's it's so funny. Like Grandma has some hilarious lines where she, you know he's like, "Oh, Grandma, you're getting so small," and she just goes, "I'm shrinking," and she does a little roller coaster story and everything. And it's just got so many different levels of comedy. There's the kind of the physical, and then there's you know the, the slightly more highbrow stuff. You know, poignant. It's stuff. just it's just funny. I just like yeah. it. Is he? I heard of this film when Simon suggested it for doing this podcast. <laughs> you've never, heard, you've first never time heard of it before? Never, never come across it. I consider myself, I've seen loads of Steve Martin. Um, never heard of it. What? Never seen it. Never seen it on TV. This is this new to me. It wasn't even recommended to me on Netflix. So, uh, and I watched it and it, 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 I did. And I found <laughs> at no point... I know there's, there's a couple of times I, I smiled, but I didn't enjoy it. I didn't. I liked <laughs> Helen Shaw as the grandma. I liked Keanu Reeves being very Keanu. Um, I liked being freaked out by, is it Whacking Phoenix? That's terrifying. Leaf, Leaf Phoenix, as it was then. Oh, poor uh, Leaf, Leaf Phoenix's real surname is Bottom. Yeah. Something. Anyway, and so that was, that was, that was weird. Did you recognise uh, him before? Before No, I recognised him as somebody I knew recognised him. I thought, that kid looks like a serial killer. I thought he was excellent Why do I know? in this film. Yeah, no, he's really that, good. really well cast. to his dad is heartbreaking. Yeah. And his yeah. acting in that is just... You can see he was going to go on to do other things. But even um, even his his um, reaction to his pornography getting discovered, I thought was mm. quite genuine and good. But there's mm. nothing about this film. I think it's not the film's fault. I just think there's nothing new in this that I haven't seen somewhere else in a sitcom. And that's ruined it. It's a bit like reading Jane Austen. You, like Jane Austen's a brilliant writer and you read the book. So, there is nothing new in this that I haven't seen before. Like and reading Emma, but I haven't, after having seen Clueless loads Exactly. Of times. And as a result, it never caught me by an out. It never got me by surprise. You know, even because yeah. I've watched a load of blooming, you know, uh, Christmas films that have been made in the noughties, you know, things like About a Boy, the end scene with the nativity was kind of ruined because like, well, that's going to happen. You know, it, there's nothing, and it's not its fault. I'm not blaming it. I'm just saying, meh, is how I felt watching the whole thing. And I don't think, I think it's unfair of me, but I'm just, it's the wrong time to watch it's like it. like when people discover Seinfeld these days. It's like, oh, yeah, they've, they've seen, seen Friends. it all before. But yeah. yeah, exactly. It's all been borrowed elsewhere. I, I, I'm like Helen. I, although I, I would have seen it on terrestrial TV because I didn't have Sky. We weren't... Uh, our parents thought that was a waste of money, um, even though we begged to watch Robocop on Sky. And they, they oh, Robocop um, was one of the first films I rented. And I was like eight years old. We have got uh, an episode on Robocop where we discuss at what age we were when we first watched it. And everyone was far 22. too young. <laughs> everyone. Every, even at 22, you're far too young for Robocop. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I loved Steve Martin. And so, so for Izzy... Surprised me, you've never even seen it. But I remember this poster being in the cinema, and it's like holding the kids upside down. Um, it's so like it looked, literally it looked properly, just looked properly wacky and zany in the good Steve Martin way. And I remember watching the first time and going, I, what is this? Sorry, <laughs> it doesn't go uh, where you think it's going to go, does it? As a film, well, no, I mean, just that as a like 10 or 11 year old, when I watched it, I was like, This isn't this isn't Three Migos, this isn't um, this isn't wacky, zany Steve Martin. This is, and I just didn't get it. Uh, so Apart from Porno Girl, not Porno Girl, that's, um, that's, that's Kirby and Enthusiasm. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apart from Cowboy Gill, 
that was the only bit that was like Steve Martin to me and like in the way I liked him to be on, on screen. Um, but like Helen says, and also this is something that found like with when Harry met Sally, the first time I watched when Harry met Sally, I was like, I mean, yeah, I like Billy Crystal, but, uh, but the more you watch it and the more you kind of have that life experience and you see where these things draw from, um, it's brilliant. I remember seeing that vibrator scene for the first time and going, what's that? What, did what you is not that? like ask your mum what it was? Because I'm pretty sure I did. No, hmm. I didn't ask my mum what it was. Why are they um, laughing at this bit? What's so funny? No, I just think I, I just kind of classed it as a, a more like an adult film where. What I didn't understand film. is why her vibrator was there because the lights were out and he was looking for a torch. Yeah, yeah. and it, it was her drawn. house, wasn't yeah. it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Why would she keep her vibrator in? Why would he look there? Don't for analyze vib- jokes. Is it? Okay. Stop it. Sorry. So it's just, my, I think my it's question just in, in a bedroom drawer or something. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think you're thinking question... a bit too. It's not Inception. As, no. I, but I yeah, know, as, it, as, it, as it builds out, as I, as I watch it, as I get older, it's I, I love it more this, and more. This was and my question. Does it? Is it a different film once you're a parent? Um, I mean, my my kid's like nine months old, so there's less okay. <laughs> of that kind of. None of that stuff's happened yet. Right. Um, but certainly, you, you know, existential crisis awaits you. Well, this is it, potentially. <laughs> um, but things like the Keanu Reeves scene where he's talking about everyone, you know, you need a license to have a dog, uh, but any son of a bitch can be a dad. That kind of scene, that scene for me, and that's still one of my favourite Keanu bits ever. Is that one? That one phrase. Um, and there's, there's so much heart in it, isn't it? It's yeah, like exactly. genuine, and there's no point where you kind of think, "Oh, that's super cheesy," or like, like really over the top you, you mm. think these are like actual conversations one part of the film is so cheesy in proper 80s which part oh the, the is it the bit i don't like it's the there's one grand bit gestures like. absolving shitty behavior from all movies ever trope um where rick moranis out of nowhere just starts singing yes, a song it's awful yeah. I, I hate that as a trope anyway but it's not even <laughs> set up it's not even, oh, he used to sing to me or that yeah. we sang that on our wedding. It's, she has to explain oh, that classroom as it's bit. happening. God. Yeah, yeah. That's and it's the, like, oh. the only scene in it that hasn't dated very well because it's basically rom- things that are basically meant to be romantic gestures but are actually he turns up to a place of work, humiliates her in her place of work and you like to think this is romantic. It's not romantic. That's mm. the only bit. So I'm, I'm glad you, you picked it out. That's... It really, Could I mean, you say that's out. the only bit where it hasn't dated very well, but it, I mean, if this is set where it is set, at least one of them should be addicted to painkillers, surely. <laughs> because now that's that's the, the big sort well, of you like, kind of have a proxy. Larry. Rather than gambling or something yeah. like that. I think Larry's probably that. a bit yeah. like that, yeah. isn't he? But you have a proxy for that with her secret eating as well. Yeah. Um, her acting, acting yeah. out, quote I mean, unquote. The, yeah. One one thing that this film also has, I don't know if you play this game, but I play this game when I watch a film with Steve Martin and it's called How Old is Steve Martin in this film? Yeah, no, yeah. who and knows? And how old is the character he's meant to be playing? So this the character <laughs> is meant to be 35 in this film. Yeah. He's 10 years older, isn't he? Yeah, so he he's looks fifty. Forty four um in this. So that yeah. that's Good, that I'm game. Glad he's forty four when he f- And apparently did. he didn't become a parent in real life until he was sixty seven. Oh it was, it was oh, really? that's yeah. dangerous. Yeah, two thousand and twelve. Well, he went, went grey very early though, didn't he? He was always grey, I think. Yeah. yeah. Even, Even when he was doing like Saturday King Tut, he was grey. Yeah. King Tut. You don't yeah, get when, to do King Tut, so I hate I hate it when the films are like 
Uh, but you're 35. I'm like, uh, what does that mean? Like when Harry Maselli was like, I'm nearly 40. I'm like, fuck. It kind what, of goes what back to mean? what Kobe was saying. He's kind of miscast at this point in his career. Mm. Um, it's not what you expect a Steve Martin film to be circa 1989. And also at no point, the granny shrinks, but no point does um, Rick Moranis shrink anybody. <laughs> Which is confusing for me because that's what he's meant to do. You haven't mentioned Rick Moranis. I think, I think this is another reason I think I was missold this film as a kid. It was like Rick Moranis is in this, and hold on, it's not it's not zany. What the hell is going on here? Steve Martin and Rick Moranis are both in this film, and it's not as zany as it, as it should be. So I think that's what put me off. We were all um, just confused children because our favourite actors were being serious and talking yes. about like things that were way boring Life. and way beyond. It's Arrogance. really confusing this this film for me because I, even looking at the poster, I just don't recognise it at all. And what's really weird is like this, the Parenthood logo with the line underneath is Home Alone in my head. It just looks like Home Alone, but it isn't. So this feels, you know, when you're in a dream and it's really real and you're just going, actually, am I making this podcast up? Is this actually a real film? Because it lasted way too long. There was no particular it's plot. Long. It had a lot of familiar faces in it and it feels like a sort of, you know, a fever dream. <laughs> Um, I think I think Steve Martin is rightly casting it. I think what's happened there for the porn for the porno girl. I keep on saying it, guys. Second episode of Kirby <laughs> Enthusiasm is a character called Porno Girl, and it, it's, it makes me laugh every single time. It's played by uh, Better Call Saul. Oh yeah, Robert uh, Odenkirk, um, Porno Girl. So every time, <laughs> oh, <my God>. um, <laughs> so but yeah, sometimes you cast for the bit, don't you? And the cowboy girl part, and also. One bit I really love is when um, Kevin catches the ball in the ball game, and Steve Martin just absolutely ecstatic with with like delight and the way he's bouncing across the field like that. Those are the two kind of Steve Martin bits, and and they were the bits that were really in the trailers, if I remember rightly. I'm sure it would have been, yeah. So you think um, it's that kind of film the all the way through? Intestines line. Um, yeah, it's like you're being tricked into pudding, and you're getting cereal. Yeah, or something worthy fair. like like vegetables. I was going to say one thing. We've, I mean, we've talked about um, obviously Steve Martin and Rick Moranis, but the, like the female cast in this is you yeah, know amazing. Brilliant. So you've got Martha Plimpton, Diane West, Whit Weist, um, yeah, yeah, um, Steen Mary Bergen. Steenenberg, Helen um, Shaw. Yeah, Helen That's the only Shaw. One I bothered looking up because I thought she was great, and I couldn't recognise anything else she was in. Uh, I can't remember the actress who plays Rick Moranis's wife, but they're they're all. She's, they're not she's just in a lot like of eighty stuff, isn't she? They're not like carbon copies of each other they've all got personalities and they've all mm. kind of got hopes and dreams and you know they're all different and it's just i think when you look back at a lot of kind of comedies and things like this in the 80s they don't you know they're not they haven't really kind of aged well whereas i do think this has i think helen is it um hang on it's i can't remember which one of the buckmans that um gil buckman's married to mary Steen but she's very bland in terms of wants and desires except and she causes a massive crash on the freeway by giving her husband a blowjob which felt which really is one of the better out of the Kevin jokes. Smith film not this film do you know what I mean it just I, feels yeah. like a fever dream it's all mixed up like yeah. what the hell is that doing in this film and it's like not believable well, it's, it's also not believable in fact that she doesn't she, it causes a car crash so in the act yeah. of like doing it it, it isn't possible so two car happen. crashes in this film One's by um, a young kid who's, you know, doing a hot rod thing. And then 
the others by a man receiving a blowjob. It it doesn't sound like a family film about parenthood, which is what this is about. And it's it's not a family film though. It's not. That's why it's a fifteen, isn't it? It's about the yeah. roller coaster ride of being a parent. It should be because that's how it's marketed. Well, this is again. How do you market a film in the late eighties like this? I don't think you can. It's more. It's, I wouldn't know how you'd market it today. It's kind of a Netflix film. You talk about Larry. Um, someone touched on Larry and his his story as well. That's a, that's a dark side of things. Well, he um, ends up going to Chile to die, doesn't he? And his granddad, that's that Jason Roberts, Jason Roberts scene where he realizes that his son is just gonna piss all over this idiot. brilliant plan, yeah. and it just the, the the look on his face as as he realizes this is kind of it. This is what I've brought into the world, and this is mm. I can't change it. There's nothing I can do. And this is kind of getting to Izzy's point about it being a fever. It's it's the roller coaster thing at the end, isn't it? It's the whole. This isn't a, a plot. This is just a series of, of crises and events that you either survive <laughs> and do well at, which I loved that Cowboy Gill worked. I loved that that worked because I was I, I remembered it not working and I remembered it being embarrassing. But I, when I watched it this time around, I just thought, oh, I just loved that he actually kind of pulled it off at that point. And that yeah. was a real... And I think, oh, this is going to go where I think it's going to go from now on. But it doesn't. And it, it's kind of, you will have wins just, and you will have massive losses. It's kind as of you the, do. The, the, the message, you know, you can you can try try as much as you can, but basically you just kind of like have to do your best and hope for the best. And they might mm. turn out all right. They might not. And they might turn out and, like... And that's just life in of, general, isn't it? Yeah. And like yeah. the little kid who's like walking around ramming everyone with his head. Like, how does he turn out? He was my well, favourite kid, I think, out of all of them. Who was? Yeah, uh, Justin, the the oh, yeah, naked yeah. The cowboy littlest. child. Yeah, <laughs> the, I just, I just, he'd like to bump his head on things. I, I take your point, is it that stories, especially eighties stories, kind of need to have these big resolutions, and that it, it's kind of building up for that big sporting resolution, and that kind of comes before the third act, really. Um, yeah. Well, the big resolution is everybody gets pregnant and has a baby because that's what women are for. It that felt was, like, yeah, that kind of, and it that... felt really sort of like ew. And the fact that, and I, I actually quite like Todd's relationship with What's Her Face because that's you know who I remember. Um, but literally, you know, yeah, exactly. But it's just this sort of weird sort of like, hey, they're teenagers, but they're married and they're having a baby, and this is great. And you're just like, is it? It I don't felt, think it was ever great, but it was like, it was initially, it feels, let's not do this. No, it's celebrated a lot. It feels it's bolted on. It's a real anti-abortion message. It feels bolted on, that ending to me. Yeah. It feels like it ended and should have ended on that roller coaster shot. Yeah. No, no, on, on Steve on... Martin watching events unfold at the school play and the roller coaster yeah. noises. And I think that was probably the original ending. Mm. Um and they just went, no, everybody needs to be a purpose is that it continues and the joy of the continued roller coaster of all the babies, and that's women's thing. I think and it, it was, was very... more to show that, like, after having kind of like a shit time, that um, Gary's mum manages to, like, find love again and, you know, well, look, have a meaningful relationship. So, But does she? I think, I I think like, it was, it was all about the dating switch, wasn't it? It doesn't feel like it? a meaningful relationship. It feels like, hey, my son said that he quite liked the funny guy who's going to treat me right, even though he does nothing for me sexually or, you know, doesn't really interest me. He's just a dude who's kind. I'll have him because I need someone. It just felt a bit... Oh. I thought her the best whole thing moment depressed me slightly. That's, that's I thought her best moment was after the crash. She, she, yeah. she This is you know. This is what you have this to is, do. And then she's walking away life. with the with the kid, mm. and she goes, oh, "I'll give it four months." 
And he's yeah. like, what? And he has this kind of, what? <laughs> moment. Why did you lie his, to him? Well, his, his childhood's ruined at that point. But that, mm. but again, I this is why I think that ending feels bolted on. And I think all the natural endings of the story feel right. And then, as he says, I, I don't like, I didn't, I really didn't like that ending. The way I, I agree with the ending. I, I agree in that. I think, the main reason they had it is because it was for, was because of that I think they wanted that bait and switch where you like is it his, is it his baby or is it this one's baby and it was never in our minds supposed to be the Diane Weiss characters. And can I just can I just also you know for one who's slightly you know doesn't like going to the gynecologist at the best of times delivery rooms are not a place of joy for most of us they're a place of exhaustion and pain and then you you're going. And then they always show this baby coming out of this woman that's at least three months old. And you're just there going, oh, my God, no! It's just like a horror film. At least she was drenched <laughs> in sweat. It's very hard to source newborn actors, I think. Yeah. Well, don't exactly, so don't like, show that bit. Whip, whip them off as soon as they've been born to go, Why show that There's a company in Hollywood that specialises in making newborn babies. Specialising babies. Not yeah. real ones, obviously. Um, uh, puppets. Yeah, they, they never look Baby good. Baby Yoda. Yeah. Baby Yoda. Exactly. I don't want to. The one in, that is one um, scene that screamed out for CGI. No, it's not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's one in, in the film, The American Sniper. They had a fake, they had a fake baby in, and it just looked odd every single every single stage. But um, I think we should head to the scores, guys. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have come from the worlds of film, television, music, food, comedy, and podcasting. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Welcome to the Flix Watcher scores. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And uh, we will start with you, please, Simon, with your recommendability. This is a tough one because it's long. It's too long, but it's not too long. It's the right length. It's not the Godfather. But it's, it, I, I looked at it, I thought, this is two hours. I thought it'd be like an hour and a half. Mm. I don't know. I, I've been kind of going back and forth on this. I, I would definitely recommend it. But I don't know how I would recommend it. Would you it. recommend it to me out of interest? No, I think you'd hate it. I think you'd hate it. But I I picked it not remembering what the film was. Um, yes, I would recommend this film, but I would selectively recommend it, I think. It's more Steve mid-career Steve Martin than early career Steve Martin, and it still kind of is time span in his early career it's probably one of the first ones where he went into LA story and from there onwards but um I don't know 3.8 I think is he um I I didn't I wouldn't I don't know who I'd recommend it to that's the thing I because the danger is you don't want to recommend it to anybody you have to sit with to watch it (laughs) Like you can't w- recommend watching it with somebody and then go, hang on, is this? These are old, old gags, and it's not its fault because everybody's seen every single sitcom where you know. So I'm, I'm going to go like 
1.5 just because i imagine there might be somebody out there maybe people i hate i'd recommend it to people i hate I didn't can think i pick up on his sitcom low. point sorry can i pick up on your sitcom point it, yeah it is a sitcom um yeah no it is isn't it they but a year later twice, they turned it they? into a sitcom yeah uh with uh, leonardo dicaprio um what? yeah it lasted 12 episodes and then in about 2010 they did six seasons of one more of a more of a comedy drama at that point I'd recommend it to gullible John Wick fans and ruin <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Ruin Keanu for them, yeah. But um, that was a weird year, that year that came out as a sitcom. There was three... Every network had a, a sitcom based on a film that year. Uncle Buck, Look Who's Talking, Ferris Bueller... Ferris Bueller's going to say it was one. And Parenthood. None of these seem to have lasted, have they? It's almost like it wasn't a good idea or something. Helen, Parenthood recommendability. Uh, I mean, you like it. Though. I know. Yeah. I love this film. I think it's great, um, and I I do think it holds up. I don't know whether I would recommend it to uh, children the age of when I saw it the first time round because I don't think they're going to get the most out of it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give it four point seven. How much of your love for it is nostalgia? Do you think? And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I'm just uh, I, I have seven. Not you just gave it four point eight. Oh yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, is watching me? So a fair in. bit of it. So I say, so I I watch this because we reviewed Step Brothers, which Mary Steenenberg is in, and I had to watch Parenthood straight afterwards to cleanse myself of Step Brothers <laughs> and watch something good that she was in. And if you liked Step Brothers, by the way, Step Brothers is available in our. You can, can listen, listen to, to our episode about it right now. Listen to me give that zero and one. <laughs> All spoilers. Get, listen to me have my feelings about that one. I watched that in the cinema. Did you? Yeah. Oh, dear. So, yeah, the, the, that time, because that would have been the first time I'd seen it in a long, long time, was quite nostalgic. Um, I don't know. I just... I think it's just so... It's just so much heart in it. And, you know, I mean... Ron Howard, I can't remember when the last time I watched a Ron Howard film that I really enjoyed. What's he done recently? Um, Rush. Can anyone remember anything? Did Rush. I'll have a question in a second, but on that Ron Howard film. point, which is something you picked up on, uh, Cy, I didn't realise, I think it was only this time rewatching. I realised it was a Ron Howard film, and that was because, for some reason, I missed all the, I wasn't paying attention to the opening credits, and then Clint Howard was there, I was like, oh, yeah, he's only in it Ron Howard It must be a Ron Howard film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I was, I was waiting for Clint Howard to appear. I was like, he's got to be in it. It's it's a Ron Howard film. He must be in it. Um, and he, he was he had a really good role in it. Um, it wasn't just a little throwaway thing. I thought it was quite good. Yeah, it's got um, Randy Newman on the soundtrack. Yeah, it's got all, yeah, all those. That just reminded like me of Toy Story at the start. It was strangely <laughs> musicless. The whole thing, I thought. I think it's strangely too real. Yeah, this is, yeah. I, it just I, it depressed me to be honest. It really made me just go, well, what's the point? Oh, there is no point. Thanks. Well, that's the point of the film, is it? Yeah. I know. And I don't see that as a comedy thing. If you, you know, you should you should have, you know, cigarette warnings on it going, this film makes you want to slit your wrists. Um, <laughs> but it's that, it's that sort of like, oh, gosh, there really is no... And he's just going to repeat the same father's mistakes and that little headbutting kid is going to steal his car. You can just see it coming. And Keanu's going to leave and it's all going to be rubbish. But hey, for this moment here where the woman's just, you know, 
recovering after giving birth is brilliant. But it's and, an oh. critique of the eighties in and of itself. Um, Maybe there are but no happy endings. That I'd you know, rather you know watch Blade Runner for a critique of the eighties, even though it's nineties. But shut up. <laughs> the last Ron Howard film that I watched was Solo: A Star Wars Story. He did all the um, Dan Brown films. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, did, did all the Dan Brown films. Did Rush, which is a really good film. I, yeah, I recommend fair, no. Rush. Oh, okay. um, Apollo 13, of course. Oh, yeah, that's good. And he did um, that Beatles documentary, made. Eight Days a Week, which yeah. is which is really yeah. good. Um, but like say so the writers, writers pulled off the same trick, I think, with City Slickers, a film that you thought was going somewhere completely differently than it did. Um, a lot of heart. I recommend any of their films, actually. And like I say, it's funny. It's just that I've seen all the jokes before. Nothing much, shocked how much me. Can Nothing... You, how much can you slice it for that? I don't know. I think... I know exactly. This is the point. I'm being really unfair, but I can't recommend it to anybody I know because they've seen all the jokes as sure. well. Unless I was recommending it to a nine-year-old who's a bit out there and didn't mind talk about vibrators. What, in which what's case, your favourite film from, from when you were younger, Izzy? Um, that's, uh, honestly, Jungle Book. There you go. I watched The Jungle Book endlessly. It's brilliant. Loved The Jungle Book. Shere Khan Tiger confused me. I loved um, uh, Lion King. I loved Prince of Thieves. I remember seeing that. Mm. I also watched Pulp Fiction before I should have, and I really quite liked that. I think Pulp Fiction is a good example where people, if you were to watch Pulp Fiction now for the first time being 40, you're probably like, uh, I think like the linear narrative of Pulp Fiction was like rarely done or if ever done well. But now that happens all the time. And mm. I think you can't, if you see Pulp Fiction after the first time and say, oh, they do that all the time now. I think that's damning it in a way that's unfair, in a way. No, it's unfair, but it's an honest thing. So when you're looking at recommendability to people, you can't recommend somebody to go, hey, this is a comedy yeah, film. You have to go, oh, this is a comedy film from the 80s, and you'll notice the references that other things have picked up on it, and look how celebrated it is. Like, you know, Harry Met Sally as well, Was you brought it up earlier in this thing, is another film where it has been ruined by the culture that we grew up in before we got to see it. Well, yeah, because... no, no, everything's set in New York, whether it's a sitcom, whether it's Steinfeld or... yeah. But it, it, everything is, the jokes are familiar, not only because everybody references the jokes before they're even made, but mm. also because, you know, they've been done again and not as well. So I'm not saying that the film is bad. I'm saying watching it now is, when you've not seen it. And also it does feel like a fever dream. Should should probably <laughs> add that when uh, Harry Met Sally, according to Flix Watcher, has not been ruined. Uh, nope. uh, we nice we have covered that and uh, it's top, top reigning. Uh, oh, wow. Wow. No, I watched I watched Ryan Harry Rhett Sally recently, having never seen it before, and yeah, never mind. I remember maybe it's just call. I don't like films. Is he phoned me up after watching that and um, yeah. was trying to? You were trying to explain what the film was, as though I didn't know what it was, and it, it was <laughs> it was very strange. Um, You're like, yeah, but yeah, I've if you haven't it. seen the film, Harry you haven't Sally. seen the film. Yeah, if you haven't seen the film, you haven't seen the film. It's um, it seems like you got a weird eighties. 80- blind spot with yeah. Izzy. Um, I do. Well, she's I do. Than us. Well, I was, I was just, I was just a bit too. I was just a bit too. I was the wrong age, and like seventies films, I've seen quite a lot of seventies films. So I think most of the Woody Allen films that I've watched are from the seventies and stuff. And so it's just a bit of a jump, and the eighties just feel really awkward and odd. Ah, in my just head, because they were like, awkward. Home Alone. I when I was a kid and I watched Home Alone, I, I just watched that, just going, well, this isn't funny. Oh no! This is terrible. Oh no! 
I, I, oh, I was dear. just like, I've been left behind before. This isn't good. I <laughs> <laughs> just took it really seriously. <laughs> yeah, how much of this is your own baggage, is he? Right? Yeah, possibly, possibly. <laughs> Batman, I like Batman. I remember watching that yeah, on the TV Batman, in my mum's yeah. attic. Yeah. I'm going to go for 4.5. Um, wow. Who do you recommend it to watch? Who? Anyone. People who... What? Are... Yeah. People who like Human comedy, beings, new parents, and, people like who say, might have seen it I recommend it, when it more readily it. now to people yeah. of, over 30 because I think it does resonate more. Um, mm. So, yeah, 4.5. Repeat viewing score. Simon. Um, so I've seen this once in 1989 and once in 2021. So um, that's a big <laughs> gap. I think I would sit down and watch it again in a couple of weeks to be honest, right. just to kind of get my head around it a bit more. I, I remember having Roxanne on video and I watched the snot out of that because mm. um, Steve Martin is just so watchable mm. and I can understand why Helen watched it so much on tape because I don't know what it is, but back then I know it's everyone's good because there was loads of other, there wasn't enough channels on, but there, you know, there was still stuff on that you could have watched, but we did There's... used to watch the snot out of tapes. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't we? So we're C-Facts. There is because well, exactly. you couldn't just dive into it. You couldn't just click on a thing and, and type words in and yeah, be disappointed. And be disappointed but watch, you would watch it twice a day sometimes or twice a week or mm. something. The amount of times I watch Twins, for example. Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. Twins is a great example, yeah. Um, so, I don't know, I'm kind of in a weird place with... with uh, uh, re- re- repeatability, rewatchability. Um, again, I, it's gonna it's gonna be near four, three point nine. I personally would watch it more than I think other people would. Two point nine, three point nine, three point nine. Uh, Izzy, I'll go with quite. I'm gonna watch it again because I've obviously missed something. Because <laughs> um, I really, yeah. I'm going to watch it again because it's a fever dream and fever dreams always require a rewatch. So I'm going to give it 3.5. Helen. That's surprisingly high for someone who didn't enjoy it the first time around. Well, yeah, but just because I don't enjoy something. No, 3.5, not 2.5. I like the way you're checking, checking me. On the scores. I'm checking it because it's important. Otherwise, I'll get too low. Well, it's obviously, it's, it's obviously not... struck a chord if you would want to watch it again. There's something, there's something, you know, I, I had a, you know, it was a bit like, Maybe I'm just, you know, not in the right frame of mind in general. But it's just, yeah, it freaked me out a little bit. And I didn't, I probably will watch it again just to check. How much of it was the the disjointed what you expect to what it was as well? I didn't expect anything. Okay. I didn't know what it, yeah. I, I assumed it would be like one of those Hallmark films, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I assumed it would be like more romantic comedy. So that's, a like, huge, that's a huge disjoint, isn't it, from expectations Well, not really, to... it, it felt like that, except with vibrator jokes in it. <laughs> so to me, it felt a bit like watching, like, I haven't watched this film, okay, but it felt like watching The Nativity. I have not watched that film. That's what it felt like watching, but... With dildos and Keanu Reeves as his top off and <gasps> like really casual attitudes to unprotected sex. That's what it felt like. It was very odd. So I have to watch it again just to go, what? Helen. It was definitely this and Father of the Bride. I remember going to see oh, Father yeah. of the Bride oh, at the cinema. I saw Father of the Bride. And then when it came on to like video or whatever, like watching the shit out of that as I, well. That was on telly. 
I was half um, expecting um, him to tear up hot dog packets mm. in Parenthood because of Father of the Bride. It's a moment where he always, he had he had it all in, in there. I was like, oh, he's going to do it. And I remembered it's a completely different film. But yeah. Which I, I, I haven't seen that in a very, 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 very long time. So it would be interesting to see whether I have the same reaction to this. Um, I, I don't know how many times I've seen this. Too many to have counted. Um, I'm going to give it... I give it a four because um, it's it's two hours. I always forget that it's two hours. It's one of those films where, in in the olden days of purely watching TV when there was no streaming, when I used to see it on TV and you'd be quite happy to join it and kind of sit there and enjoy it, I probably wouldn't do that now with it being two hours and I've seen it lots. So a solid four. Uh, I'm going to go for three point eight here. I. I've only seen it a handful of times and that's because I guess I didn't really enjoy it the first few times um, but enjoyed it more going forward but I don't think it's going to be something I revisit all the time um, so 3.8 small screen score Simon it's a film that it doesn't need to be seen on a big screen at all does it um, there's nothing cinematic about it <laughs> and I don't mean that in a derogatory way it's Just not hate, hating hating on Ron Howard no I think Ron Howard is incredibly cinematic director there's some incredibly cinematic shots in it there's that shot where uh diane weist is emerging through the smoke at the drag race that's that's a proper 80s cinema shot and yeah, the, the shot where Wakim well. phones his dad uh the mm-hmm. camera comes back from her really yeah, puts the, the small and then uh it's not a doll it's not a contra zoom it comes back and then it moves round and sticks a, a, a window in front of her Mm-hmm. It, it's a that's properly cinematic, but again, that works on the small screen. So, I, uh, small screen score is four point nine. It's 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 absolutely fine. Is he? I'd say it's definitely recommended on the small screen. Other than um, it might be nice to watch it with a friend. So, if you watched it in the cinema, surrounded by people, so you know you're not mad, um, did or you, you are watch mad. This alone, is he? I did watch this alone and I think that might have been the issue. I watched it quite late at night alone and I maybe my body was geared up for a horror film. Did you not and even so have I was a tap, I was you? waiting for the monster to come out and, you know, kill everybody. Um I'd go with a 4. Helen. Uh, I've never seen this at the cinema. I've only ever seen it on TV. Would I go and see it at the cinema? Not sure. I don't know. Maybe if if we get cinemas How back. How would it I be at the do. cinema? Um, you know, the Prince Charles might do kind of like a Steve Martin season or something you like know, that. But like with all the trailers and adverts, it's going to be a three and a half hour showing, isn't it? Prince oh, Charles do 12 hour sit-ins. So that would be nothing on them. This is nothing yeah. for, this for is those LA Story, Roxanne, um, Three Migos, Parenthood. There's that, that, quadri- that t- uh, quintology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so um, I'm going to give it a five. I don't think you need to see it at the cinema and... Um, you know, it's two hours, and if you want to like have a break and get a cup of tea, you can. So, yeah, five. Yeah, I'm going to give it a five. Um, probably wouldn't watch it at the Prince Charles Cinema, so perfect for home viewing. Simon, engagement score. I'm going to be honest, I stopped it a lot whilst I was watching <laughs> I think this. you can do this quite um, episodically. Yeah, it does feel... It is an episodic um, thing, certainly. Uh, again, I had to watch it on my computer, which is not something I normally do. I'm normally watching films on the sofa. Um, and I wasn't stopping to go and look at Twitter or I wasn't being distracted by anything. I just needed a break. (laughs) 
from the kids. I, I, not even that. It was just okay. This I need a moment to let my brain process what I'm watching. Uh, this this isn't the film I was expecting it to be. So I guess that was really engaging. At what point did you first realise that it wasn't what you thought it was going to be, or what you remembered it? I wrote, I wrote notes, and I wrote uh, about twenty minutes into it. I can't remember what it was particularly. That was this isn't the film I thought it was going to be. Um, I can't remember to be honest. I was can't it remember Keanu what it was. Reeves in Tighty Whiteys? It could have also been called Boomer Entitlement. I realise yeah. um, there was an awful lot of that. Uh, boomer entitlement in it but um so i was engaged to the point where i had to stop to let it process does that make sense so i was going to give it a low engagement score yeah so i'm going to give it a high engagement score counterintuitively and give it a 4.5 is he um i'm gonna give it a low one because i did get distracted i did get bored by it um not gonna lie it was boring <laughs> and there are bits yeah you want to watch it again okay yeah, because I'm wrong. Because you got because I respect you guys' opinions more than my own brain. So I'm gonna watch it again. Because don't get me wrong, there is no bad casting in this, mm. and there is no bad writing or directing. And yet, why? Um, so um, I I fast forwarded through several bits, including um, I just found the song too embarrassing for words. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, that was a bit. Uh, I passed through the nativity thing, so I got it. Once the roller coaster music started, just got that. Come on, let's get on with it. So I'm not going to give it a high one. Um, I'll give it a two. I've never heard of anyone who fast forwarded through bits. <laughs> really? <laughs> when you can know where they're going. I, no, no, do you know no. what? I do that with musicals loads because I hate music sometimes. Oh, if I, I hate the song, that. I'll put the the captions on so I understand what they're singing. Yeah, yeah, you love him, whatever, and I'll force forward so I don't have to listen to the music. Only on a few things. But yeah, I've done that with Les Mis before. Uh, well, so you just pretty much fast forwarded the whole film then? Yeah. Is he? But I got the plot. What was your, what, what was your, what was your score? Two. <laughs> Helen? Uh, what's this engagement? Uh, yeah. A solid four. I mean, you don't need to be glued to it. It's not a thriller. You're not going to, like, not yeah, fair. know what's, what's going to go on. But then still, it's, you know, very rewarding to watch and... Um, just it just about holds its runtime. I think if they did a director's cut, they could probably shave about twenty minutes off it. A short director's cut. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I don't think it would have the ending. I genuinely don't think that would have had the ending in the director's cut. If they, I think that's a test, a test screen. Put the ending off so cut, it ends it with the roller coaster and yeah, ditch definitely. the Rick Moranis singing screen, and it'd oh, be perfect. Oh but I think you need yeah. the. I need. I think you need that bit in order to. Sh- Prove, but that should be in order to prove what a dicky is, and therefore she should leave him and take the baby. Yeah, she should go. I'm still, I'm still leaving you. Yeah, yeah and take, take the baby scene. away. That yeah, would have been realistic. That's how. Yeah, that would have been a nice ending for that. Although they had the heartache with Larry, I guess. So maybe they didn't want too much, too much uh, heartache. Oh, I thought it was one though. For me, I like the granny should have died. No, and... oh, don't say that. <laughs> But it's her getting into the car. That was that. That's one time. I, that's the second time I smiled. It was her getting into the car. That was good. I'm going to go for four point one because I started watching it, kind of thinking I, need, I can do some other things because I'd seen it quite recently. But then I kind of had to stop and like rewind a bit and then then sit down and think. Right, I'm going to watch it. So it had me in, even though I knew what the story was, even though I'd seen it quite recently. So I'm going to yeah, four point one, pretty high, and that gives us an overall score of three point nine five zero 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 zero. Ooh. Wow. Where does that rank? 
Uh, with other films around. Okay, cool. Yeah, if you if you break the four fair. ceiling, you've done you've done very well. I um I have a fact about the, the first Parenthood sitcom. If you want to hear it, go on. Sure. Joss Whedon wrote most of oh, it wow. when he was still doing sitcoms. It kind of feels like it could be a Joss Whedon thing, doesn't it? No. I can see why they've tried to make it into a sitcom twice. Yeah, because it is a sitcom. Yeah, I mean, there's probably lots of modern families. I mean, they're sitcom writers. That's where they came from. So let's head to Twitter. And just for everyone who's listening, do follow us on Twitter. We are at FlixWatcherPod. And the main reason to follow us, apart from the insightful banter that we kind of sometimes post on Twitter, is that we always shout out before we record and put a message like this one. We're reviewing Parenthood with Izzy Lawrence and Cy Dunn from Seti Sopo Podcast. And though... Guys, I put just Seti Sop. I've, I spelt, I incorrectly spelt your podcast name, Seti Soppo. Oh, it is a daft word and a daft name for a uh, podcast. Just, so don't worry too much about it. Yeah. So I'm glad you absorbed me from that, from that, uh, from that slide there. <laughs> um, have you seen it? Tells your thoughts and your score out of five stars from an on-air shouter on Flixwatcher. So we had one, one response for this. Uh, Sai, do you want to read it out? At Ben GLC. So this is one of my all-time favourites. It's a criminally underappreciated film and he gives it criminally six stars yeah. he obviously doesn't understand your rating doesn't, system. No. but also you missed out the first word in that uh yeah he directed he, right, he directed that comment to izzy i, I thought I'd, i would i would i would ignore that a little bit but yeah he <laughs> did direct son. that comment to izzy thank you yeah. very specifically to izzy yeah, that's because he's brilliant and he's wrong about yeah. the film uh simon <laughs> izzy can you tell us where we can find you online and then say goodbye to all the listeners Sure, if you want to um, follow me, I'm um, at Izzy underscore Lawrence. That's I-S-Z-I underscore L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'm also on Facebook if you go to Izzy Lawrence UK. And I am on the internet as me. So if you just go to com, you will find me. Come buy my book and listen to my podcast, particularly the dinosaur one, not Seti Soppo. Which is setisoppo.com if anyone wants to <laughs> listen to our podcast. If you Google Simon Dunn, by the way, you might get a lot of naked chocolatiers and sexy men. Yeah. yeah, Simon Dunn, three results. You're either a chocolatier, a sitcom nerd, or a, uh Olympian bodsledder who gets his kit off a lot. And one of them is the one who's speaking now. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, not the two, two of the best, to be honest. I'm not chocolatey, nor which one am I an Olympic. And I'm at Cy Dunn on Twitter, and uh, you can website. buy my books via my website or via any What's your uh, website? online vendor. What's your website? SimonDunn.me.uk. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Awesome. Thanks Thank so much you. for coming. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.